0: Thanks, Jenny. Um, Let me pray one more time for us. Father, as we look at your word, what you have to say to us this afternoon, please would you cause us to appreciate life and so appreciate you. Amen. Probably the most famous baby born this year turns 50 days old today. She's not here. She's on the screen. Um, You might remember her birth story baby Afra, born in Jindiris in the Aleppo province of Syria, um, in the rubble of the aftermath of the earthquake on the border of Turkey and Syria um, at the end of February. She was um, made famous on that day because of her uh, amazing story. Her mother and father died. Apparently her umbilical cord was still attached to her mother when the rescuers (coughs) found her and rescued her and brought her to immediate medical attention. And as we hear a story like that, and as you see a picture like that, you don't quite know how to feel. As we read the headlines, it's desperately sad in the face of huge catastrophe and calamity. And a baby entering the world without parents... And yet you look at that picture, and there's a spark of hope. You look at that picture, and there's just a joy in new life. In the midst of the depth of sadness, there is a spark of life. Here's the headline that was plastered all over the news. Turkey, Syria, earthquake, miracle baby born in rubble is adopted by her aunt and uncle and given a new name A bit later in the article, it says, When she was rescued, baby Afra, given the new name Ayah, meaning miracle in Arabic, was still connected to her mother by her umbilical cord. And you see, you can read a story like that, and you can read the article like that, and it makes sense. Miracle baby. Because on the face of it, the chances of survival were... So slim in amongst the rubble and the dusty air. This tiny, little, vulnerable life whose parents have sadly died. The situation seemed hopeless. You could say that that baby was completely dependent on every circumstance aligning rightly in the moment to survive. You can see why all the headlines were Miracle Baby. But you see what we're subtly in danger of saying is that there's something we control about life elsewhere. That for a fairly undramatic arrival down the road at the John Ratcliffe, something that's straightforward we almost treat it like a given. But look, we're going to spend a few minutes looking at these verses from Acts 17, and really what Paul's doing as he stands up to address the people of Athens is he gives a defence for life, a defence for what life is really all about. So we're just going to see three things from these verses. First, we depend on God for life. Read with me from verse 24 and 25. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. You see the truth there in the second half of verse 25? He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. The same sentence that we said about baby Aya could be said of every human life. We are completely dependent on every circumstance, aligning rightly in every moment to survive. We depend on God for our every breath. The God who holds every circumstance. See, in every stage of having a baby, we're reminded that we're so powerless. Sometimes that's really painful in our experience because we see that we're not in control and sometimes we can't see why God would allow things to happen as they do. But it's always unnerving, because in so much of life elsewhere, we believe the illusion that we are in control. And in the face of new life, in so many ways, at so many points, it becomes so obvious that we're not. You see the baby who needs everything to survive. They need help to feed, help to sleep help to stay warm they're constantly in need they are dependents in every sense of the word and actually in having a baby you realise that you are more like them than you realised whether it's 3am, a couple of weeks in still struggling over sleep or six months in or it's trying to get enough food at the right time, running after children. If you've been responsible for the welfare of any life, at any time, you've probably said at some point, I just don't know what to do next. I cannot ultimately control this situation. Because ultimately... We depend on God, because he himself gives everyone life, and breath, and everything else. You see, today we give thanks, because we don't deserve, or control, or claim any praise for the arrival of these three babies, and yet God, in his kindness, has given them to us to our families, to our church family. And they bring joy in so many ways. And it's God in his kindness that sustains them and grows them. And so we're immensely thankful to God. Because it's a joy for us at Town Church to have young children. And the reality is they don't stay cute little babies for long. And even when they are, they're pretty overwhelming at times. You don't always feel like giving thanks to God in the moment, in the circumstances of life, but with a heart turned toward God. When we recognise we don't and we can't control or dictate life, we can give thanks because God is kind. And today we recognise, haven't we, that under God, together as a people of town church, all of us have a brilliant responsibility and a privilege together to play our part in together raising children. We see that so clearly when a new child enters the church, in dropping off meals, in comforting tired parents, in being the one to wake in the middle of the night, in being the one to arrive in the morning. As we depend on him for life, We can give thanks for the different roles that he gives us. To him, every single one of us is important and significant. And yet, he doesn't need us. He doesn't need us to make a big deal of him. He doesn't need us to set out one Sunday a year where we give thanks to Him for new life, as a chance to give thanks for His goodness, to recognize Him as the author of life. He doesn't need us to point to Him. Do you see? He is not served by human hands as if He needed anything. No, that's who He is. And so, it's actually the best thing for us to recognise him as the giver of life. See, in verse 25, we see a truth that's fundamental to our existence. God doesn't need you. You need him. You notice this when people become parents, what they really want for their children. Parents start having conversations about what will serve them as they grow up. How they can set them up for life really well. How they can plan and prepare what the best things they can do are. Maybe they'll have an argument about the best savings account that will yield the best fruit when they turn 18 and they can get this money and it will set them up perfectly for life. And maybe when it's a bit older it's the best education working out the best way in which they'll have the best opportunities. Maybe it's the best experience. The best holidays. The the way in which they will experience life the best. And those are great things. Brilliant things to discuss and talk about and explore. But do you see there's a danger that we put our hope in. The things that we think will set up life the best. And we do the same as adults, don't we? If we think, oh, if we can just pay off the mortgage by this point, then we might be able to drop down to a few days a week or go somewhere different, move away. We we set up life. We, We try to make plans. We try to set up things that will pay off. We try to shape and craft a brilliant life for the future. But look at verse 26. God is the author of life. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. You see, whether it's for ourselves or for our children, we can become so caught up in what our experience of life will be. We try to make it. We try to set it up we try to shape it whether it's our time our disciplines our money our privilege we try to control and we, when we do that we're in danger of worshipping worshipping those things as the ultimate thing those conversations of parents working out what they want for their children Sometimes they'll reveal those hidden idols. Our hopes, our plans for our own lives. Sometimes they'll reveal our hidden idols intellect, social dexterity, money, prospects, experiences like travel, freedom. But look at verse 24 it's God who makes verse 25 it's God who gives verse 26 it's God who marks out he makes and he marks out and so it's him that's worthy of worship not just the things that he gives us I was um, going through the registers uh, this week, and I think we have 44 under 10-year-olds that have been regularly attending at points through this year, 2023. 44. And that's a joy, and it's a challenge. (laughs) But every now and again, you just overhear those snippets of conversation. Brilliant. You just hear someone say, oh, Can you imagine what town church is going to be like in five years' time? Can you imagine what town church is going to be like in ten years' time? Imagine the youth group. Imagine the hormones. (laughs) Just imagine when we have our first town church date. I think I've heard. And it's quite funny. And it is fun to think but actually you quickly realise it's a significant responsibility. For us as elders, we've thought carefully about what's going to happen with our youth work, our children, in the coming years, not too far away at all. And it can be easy for us to worry. Actually, it can become all-consuming. I was sat in the pub the other night with a parent of young children And they spoke of how it's really weighty, making decisions, actually knowing what to say and how to say it to our children. And it is. And so is a comfort to know God is the author of life. He makes and he marks out. Psalm 139 says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And so he is worthy of our worship. You see, it is good to plan and prepare. It's right to work hard with the things that God has given us. It's good to make good decisions, to be good stewards of the resources he's given us. But when we recognise it's him that makes and him that marks out, it transforms how we approach life. It shapes the way that we plan and prepare. It shapes the way we provide for our children. Because as we think of the future for ourselves and for children, it reveals what we worship. And we all worship something But when we recognise God is the author of life, we don't need to worship the things that seem to offer life. We can offer, we can worship God, the author of all life. And so enjoy these things in the context they were given to us. We can trust him and worship him because he is worthy of our worship. Because he makes and he marks out. You see, we might have hopes and dreams for the three children that we've given thanks for this afternoon. For the under-tens that we've talked about. And for ourselves. But God is the author of life. And so we have a great responsibility to him with the things he's given us. And that's brilliant because it means the weight of burden and worry. It doesn't lie on our shoulders And so in every challenge, every struggle, every big life decision, it is the best thing for us to orient ourselves towards God. (coughs) And look as we read on. Verse 27, true life is found in God alone. Have a read with me from verse 27. God did this. So that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. See, Paul describes how God himself, the author of life in whom we depend for all life, who has marked out our lives, has done this so that we would seek him, reach out to him and find him. That we would recognize him. We've seen in Romans 1 a few weeks ago that each and every one of us is born with a sense of God's divine qualities. Paul describes how we're created to worship, but we've quickly run to other things to try and find life. So we suppress the truth. So, where will we find life in all its fullness? Look at verse 28. For in him we live and move and have our being. True life is found in God alone. We're designed, created that we would be most satisfied when we find life in God. In the series of claims recorded in John's Gospel, Jesus makes it clear how this life is on offer to us. In John 10, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. This is the true life that's on offer for every one of us. A chapter later, Jesus' claim is this. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. You see... This true life is on offer to us in Jesus. Jesus' claim is that true life, life to the full now, that goes on into eternity forever in heaven, is new life that is found in him. See, as Jesus rose to life three days after dying, he offers death-beating life to anyone who will trust in him. It's fitting that we celebrate new life As we look ahead to Easter. Because at Easter we focus on the new life that's in on offer to all of us. New life that's ours if we trust in Jesus. But what does that mean for our children? Well what's our ultimate hope for our children? Not just that they'd be successful not that they'd be rich not that they'd be intelligent yes we pray that they'd get a taste for life yes we pray that they'd flourish and enjoy God's good gifts but our ultimate hope I pray as we see from this passage is that in time they'd find life in the way it was created they'd find life New life in Jesus. That they'd enjoy life to the full. The true life that is found in God alone, as we read this afternoon. And actually that's true for every single one of us. So this is what we'll continue to do with our children. Hold out the truth about God and the offer of the Lord Jesus. That's what we'll continue to do at Town Church. Because we depend on God for life. He's the author of all life. True life is found in him alone. And we'll see in the next few weeks that that life is ours in the Lord Jesus. That life is ours when we're raised to new life with him. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much that you and you alone are the author of life. Thank you that we depend on you for every breath that we take and you are good and you are kind and so we can praise and thank you. Father, thank you that you are the author of life and you mark out each of our appointed days. Lord, thank you that as we think of our children, we can trust you for many days to come. And Lord, we thank you that true life is found in you alone. Lord, please would you help us today to grasp life in its true and proper context. Lord, please would you help us to cling to new life in the Lord Jesus. Amen. Good, well we're going to stand and sing together as we praise God, the author of all life.